0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com.
1: This is the Rich Eisen Show. Let me Show. see you put your hands up now. Now. Now.
2: With guest host, Ryan Leaf.
1: been listening to you guys since day one. You guys are... I'm um, just keep getting better like fine wine.
2: Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Earlier on the show, SI senior NBA writer, Howard Beck. Still to come. Bleacher Report NFL draft analyst, Connor Rogers. Commander's defensive end, Chase Young. Plus, Oregon defensive end, Kayvon Thibodeau. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Ryan Leaf.
3: Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. Rich, of course, in Las Vegas, anchoring all the pre-draft and draft coverage for NFL Network. Uh, So I get the pleasure, uh, the privilege to sit in his seat and talk about all things NFL Draft and to continue that conversation. We're going to bring in Connor Rogers, Bleacher Reports draft analyst here to give us the lowdown on what's about to happen in Las Vegas over the next three days. Connor, how are we doing?
1: Good, Ryan. What's going on, man? How are you?
3: Are you in Vegas?
1: I am not in Vegas. We will be doing our coverage out of our New York City City studio this year, so it'll be a little calmer on my end of things.
3: A little calmer, yes. Uh, No chance of of falling into the uh, uh, Bellagio (laughs) fountains as we we believe that it's going to happen at some point, either by accident or a big offensive lineman is just going to grab Roger Goodell and say, hey, we're going in.
1: Yeah, I think this is best for everybody on our Bleacher Report team to cover uh, every pick live on the spot. We'll be a little bit more efficient this way.
3: <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, all right. Uh, night before, uh, any bombshells that are about to come out that, uh, that uh, uh, have become part of the, the, the NFL draft stigma?
1: Man, what I'm fascinated by right now is the divide of the top two picks. And I know that sounds cliche, but I just can't remember a time. this I mean, we're 24, like you know, about 24 hours out from the draft where the number one pick people truly don't know. A lot of people think Trayvon Walker. A lot of people think that's the direction general manager Trent Baalke wants to go. But I do think there's some divide in that building. I do think there are people that lean Aiden Hutchinson. And then you go to the number two pick, and the conversation is not that different, but it seems to lean more between... Some people really like Aiden Hutchinson if he's there. Even if he is there, some people really like Kayvon Thibodeau, not Trayvon Walker. So I, I am fascinated by that dynamic, Ryan, that there is a small chance that we can have this thing flipped completely upside down, that the first two picks could go Trayvon Walker and then Kayvon Thibodeau with a shocker that Aiden Hutchinson, it's a small chance, but Aiden Hutchinson could be on the board at three. That would be crazy.
3: That would be crazy, you know, but what it's, showcased is that the nfl and the draft needy uh, teams at the top uh, are all believing that a edge rusher is a game changer for them and there honestly could be three guys to go in the top three that are going to rush the passer this year
1: that's exactly right if you don't even if you do have the quarterback or even if you don't you got to get after the quarterback you got to impact the quarterback and. The strengths of this draft class are very simple. It's the guys that make life miserable for the quarterback that we just discussed, and it's the guys that keep the quarterback upright on the offensive line with Evan Neal, uh, Icky Equanu, and Charles Cross that are all going to go probably within the top seven picks of this draft. So that's the theme right there. It's the trenches. Maybe it's not the most glamorous thing to the viewers and fans, but that's the reality of this draft, and it's going to help a lot of teams for a long time.
3: Uh, we're speaking with Connor Rogers, Bleacher Report draft analyst. Um, we're going to have Kayvon Thibodeau on the show here in you know in about an hour and a half or so, and um, and you just mentioned him a little bit ago. You know, he was the presumptive number one overall pick when the season started in college football. He went through some injuries, and then there's been a bit of an off season during the draft process where uh, some some pundits and some analysts have talked about his lack of effort and whether he places football at the very top of his list but you you really see him maybe as a chance of going to number two if that if it plays out that way where where does Kavon sit and what kind of impact can he have on the NFL after everything that's gone on this offseason and the injury that 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 took a hold this this college football season
1: he could have a huge impact there's no doubt about that he's not on the level of some guys we're accustomed to seeing at the top like Miles Garrett, uh, I know obviously you're going to have Chase Young today. He's not one of those guys. I think that would be an unfair stratosphere to put him in, even Nick Bosa level. But can he be a Brian Burns kind of player? I really think he can. And does he have a lot uh, of ceiling to tap into to develop? He he really wins with speed to power and and speed to the outside corner. If you start to coach up his hand usage, uh, develop an array of pass rush moves and a pass rush plan, which I believe an NFL staff will do, you can have a really, really high-end rusher. And that's why it starts for him at pick number two. It is fascinating he has not been in the conversation for pick number one at all throughout this entire process. And that's kind of the the feel you get when you talk team-by-team with Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, for me, it feels like the Lions really like him at two. And then you get into a conversation that maybe he does slide. Maybe it's an Atlanta or a Seattle or a team that trades up when they see him fall out of the first four or five picks. And that might be less about Kayvon Thibodeau and more that just teams love Aiden Hutchinson, Uh, surprisingly, they love Trayvon Walker despite the lack of production, and they really, really like the offensive line class. So Kayvon Thibodeau, it feels like he's been over-scrutinized a little bit, but he's still a top-ten pick, and he still has the most upside of any defensive lineman in this entire draft. Uh,
3: The wide receiver position became the second-highest percentage of cap value on teams this year, right? It, it, It used to be offensive linemen, like you talked about, left tackles. Defensive ends, uh, rushers, and the quarterback, right? Those three things. The wide receiver has jumped into that spot. There is a real chance that in the top 10 picks, it doesn't go to any player that necessarily handles the football predominantly, quarterback or wide receiver. Would that shock you? Or are there teams that ultimately have that fear of missing out on a make or break player uh, higher like that, that ultimately is one of those two positions does creep up into the top 10?
1: I think it's a great question because there's such a fine balance. I don't see one going in the top seven picks. But then when you get to Atlanta at eight, they desperately need a wide receiver. They need a lot of things, so it's not a lock they take one. But they desperately need a wide receiver. I think Seattle would answer the phone if a team wants to come up and they prioritize a speedster like Jamison Williams. The Jets at 10, everybody knows they're in on the wide receiver market if they can't swing a trade within these 24 hours for a guy like Debo Samuel. Washington at 11, they're in on the wide receiver market as well. Houston at 13, the Eagles at 15, the Saints at 16. That's a lot of teams in a really tight window that are all over the wide receiver class this year, and it just makes you wonder if that turns up the heat, turns up the pressure on the Packers at 22, the Chiefs at 29. The Chiefs have a ton of picks in this class, Ryan. They're not going to use them all. They're going to play the board. They're going to be aggressive. Now, maybe they go up. They still need help in the secondary as well, so it's not a lock they're looking at wide receiver, and even the Cowboys at 24, we know Jerry Jones, he would he would have no problem taking another wide receiver. So I think there's going to be a run. It's just a matter of when you you could blink and miss it. And when it starts, probably at 8, potentially at 10, it's all going to happen really fast for those top five in this class.
3: Now you talked about uh, some of those teams that are, are in need of a receiver, but what they're also in need of is a quarterback. And mm. that's been a big conversation piece this whole offseason, whether this class could live up to anything and which quarterback's going to go where and and how uh the two names that predominantly continue to be talked about or batted about in the first round are malik willis and kenny pickett um night before the draft can you gauge kind of the interest level are there going to be teams that want to move up to try to get them or do they feel like they can stay in their spot a la new england and get the guy they want later in the later in the round
1: Yeah, that's the big one, right? When you look at it, it starts with the Panthers at six. I think they're the team that everybody's looking at and going, are they really going to take a quarterback at six, or are they going to try to play this, maybe take a tackle, or if they don't get the tackle, they want move back and still take Pickett. The Steelers go the other way. Are they going to move up from 20 to take Malik Willis? And everybody's kind of looking around wondering, well, who's in their way, right? Who's in the way of the Panthers to get Kenny Pickett if they move back? Who's in the way of the Steelers getting Malik Willis at 20, and while it doesn't seem like there's a lot of obvious candidates when you hear so much noise that Atlanta's not really desperate for a quarterback right now, they're willing to use the bridge option with Marcus Mariota and maybe kick the can down the road next year, Seattle is the one that surprises me. They're picking in the top ten. Uh, maybe they just don't like this quarterback class, but when you're rolling into the season with Drew Locke, I don't know how much upside is really there. And then quietly, the one that I think both of these teams are very afraid of is the New Orleans Saints. Now that they have that other first-round pick, They can solve their need at left tackle or get a wide receiver, and they can still use that other selection on a quarterback to sit behind Jameis Winston. I know he has a lot of guaranteed money within this year, but that would be a draft pick for the next two to three years, not for the next six months. So everybody's kind of on this stare down of when can we get Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett and then after that, obviously, we know this quarterback class is is not the best we've seen recently.
3: All right. The other big news, of course, that has been on the the the, the, the tongues of, of everybody in the NFL is when Debo Samuel spoke up about wanting a new contract. If not, he wanted out uh, of San Francisco to be compensated. Um, are there real players involved? We heard John Lynch this week say, hey, you know, he's too good of a player. We're not going to trade him. We know what we have here. Uh, we want to make it work. Um, But is there really a team out there, a la you talked about the New York Jets trying to make a play um, with the draft picks that they have, the capital that they have. San Francisco, of course, gave away a lot of that capital to move up and get Trey Lance a year ago. Where does the trade climate sound or or feel with with Debo Samuel heading into the draft tomorrow
2: night?
1: They just have to be willing to move him, and I don't know if teams will cave to their price. It sounds like they they do not want to move him, but he's dug in, and it sounds like Debo Samuel is not going to come back to play for the Niners. So if you're them in the next 36 hours, you need to figure out if he's really not coming back, we need to get assets for this year to help Trey Lance for next season. We can't let this go into the summer, trade him over the summer, have 2023 picks, and then we don't have those players on the roster to work with a quarterback that will essentially be playing his rookie season. So this is a dicey situation for the 49ers. Now, when you look at the external market of who would be involved – Yes, as I said, the the Jets would have to be at the forefront of this. They've made it clear. They've shown their cards. They're all in on getting a superstar veteran wide receiver when the opportunity comes up. They haven't been able to close the deal. They couldn't get Tyreek Hill. They're ready to pay him $25 million a year. They're ready to trade those day two selections to get him. We have not seen that Joe Douglas is willing to trade a top ten pick for a wide receiver just to pay him $25 million a year. That's where it's going to be really interesting. Could be a bit of a stare down. I would never rule out the Eagles. We know they need a wide receiver. We know Howie Roseman's very, very aggressive. They have a ton of draft capital over the next three years, uh, but they might want to spread out that draft capital, not sink a ton of it into a guy they have to pay. And then you have to wonder, is there a wild card out there, right? Is there a Baltimore Ravens that would love to get a dynamic weapon to help Lamar Jackson, a team like that? But I think when it's said and done, there's a relationship between the Jets and the 49ers. The Niners are going to have to at some point admit that Devo Samuel is not coming back to play for them, especially at whatever price they deemed they're willing to keep him on. And the Jets have the draft capital to do it. The biggest question is if they're willing to send that number 10 pick and if the Niners decide to pick up the phone in the next 24 hours.
3: We're talking with Connor Rogers, Bleacher Report, leads, lead draft analyst. Um, I, I have a, a theory around uh, what we've seen in terms of the market this year, especially at the wide receiver position. Uh, and when you have a chance to get one in the first round, uh, and have those five years before the big deal that they want moves forward, right? I mean, Debo Samuels throwing it into the wind here with after your third year and wanting an extension because of the success there. This scenario where you move Devontae Adams to the Raiders, you move Tyreek Hill to Miami, um, both of those situations you have future Hall of Fame quarterbacks in that position, right? The staffs feel like they can make whoever they have on the roster better. The two places where they landed are situational places with Derek Carr and Tuatunga Bailoa, where they're still, in the eyes of a lot of people, a work in progress. Where do you see this wide receiver market going? Because that is a lot of money to invest uh, in a position that doesn't necessarily have a say in when they get the football. And that's a lot of capital, especially percentage-wise of the cap, to invest in that.
1: It's really dicey, and it's really dicey for certain reasons. One, the fact is a lot of these guys have the same representation, right? For yeah. A.J. Brown, D.K., Metcalf, Evo Samuel. Whatever one gets paid first, the next one gets paid more, and the next one gets paid more. And uh, Truthfully, I don't see these guys showing up uh, to training camp until that's done. Now, that's an assumption, not knowledge, but it just makes sense when you check that out. And, Ryan, I think you nailed it. It's so quarterback you know, situationally based, right? When you look at Washington, I don't think they're going to let Terry McLaurin go because uh, how would that help Carson Wentz, right? Same with the Titans with A.J. Brown. They're going to try to keep A.J. Brown because he helps Ryan Tannehill. Now, when you look at the Niners, they feel like Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid can elevate the receivers around them, and they went with the volume route. They got um, Valdez Scantlin, they got Juju Smith-Schuster, and they're going to draft the guy as well. So now they have multiple targets instead of one super incredibly game changing target you know obviously Tyree kill with his speed they're going to spread things out a little bit so it's so based on situation and then the other thing is you need a market i think when the if the jets got a guy and paid him 25 million year or whatever it may be that takes the biggest player off the table that there's not going to be as many desperate teams that have that kind of open cap space to do it so When there's an external team lurking, the agents know that, and that's how we get to a situation that we're seeing with Debo Samuel. That just won't always be the case every single year.
3: Yeah, it's become really interesting. I'm right with you, uh, Connor, in terms of who you draft, who you pay in free agency. Uh, It's the guy that passes the ball, the guy that protects the guy that passes, and the guy that rushes the guy that passes. Everything else I feel like you can find differently. And the guys you talked about, the wide receivers that you're talking about that are looking for those big deals now, all taken after round one. Right? You can go find them. You just have to be prepared for hitting it right and them wanting a big deal after three years because it's going to be a big part of what that... I mean, you, you got to come out, compliment the guy that finds the guy, the diamond in the rough in the third, fourth, or maybe second round of a wide receiver who, who plays at the top level, but it could turn around to bite you if, if they're that good.
1: That's exactly right, and it's the hit rate, right? The hit rate on tackles and pass rushers outside round one is not the same as it is on wide receiver. Now, whether you know certain teams believe in that or not, but that's that's just the facts right now, and that's why you're going to see, like we opened the show with, right? The tackles and rushers really dominate the top six picks of this draft, and then the wide receivers come in the middle of the round, and even more of them really uh, come off the board, obviously, in the second and third rounds and get a chance to start more often than not. So that's just the reality of the NFL. That's how a lot of evaluators view it, and that's you know something that as much as these guys are resetting the market and getting mega deals, I don't know if it will be as consistent of a trend as we see with the pass rushers and the quarterbacks, of course, who will always dominate the market.
3: Yes, they will. Connor Rogers, everybody. Bleacher Report, lead draft analyst. Thanks so much for taking the time. You are locked in, man. I loved it. Appreciate your time.
1: Ryan, always great talking to you. Thanks for having me, man.
3: You bet. Connor Rogers, everybody. Uh, You know, he seems uh, pretty adamant that uh, there might not be too many surprises. You might not know necessarily where somebody goes in the top ten, but not going to be really surprising in terms of, let's say, a quarterback. Because I, I, for the while, I, I really felt like Detroit, especially if Aiden Hutchinson goes number one overall, mm. that they they may move on Malik Willis at number two because of that fear of missing out on the next big guy because Jared Goff isn't the guy in Detroit. We don't know that yet. Um, but I don't know. The more and more I hear about it, it sounds like quarterbacks getting kicked down the road. Yeah. Uh, Interesting enough, no guy that really handles the football predominantly will be taken in the first 10 picks, maybe. So crazy. Um, Atlanta, like he's made a point, needs everything. Atlanta could use a wide receiver, an okay. offensive lineman, a, a, an edge rusher, a linebacker, everything. So I don't know. That's what makes, I think, for this draft the most interesting. A lot of people don't have a lot of like, um, you know, sparkle to what this draft is in terms of players. I think Vegas adds that. I think a lot of the unknowns add to that intrigue for tomorrow night. So excited for that. We'll kind of put a bow on what Connor had to say. Plus, um, 24 years ago, my draft, you get the draft story. It's two days worth of fun, fun, almost three days worth of fun, fun, interesting stuff uh, here on the Rich Eisen Show. Um, I was playing golf yesterday. Look at you right uh and uh you know i love love my golf um and i saw a guy out there playing with me who got the new set of callaway oh gosh you know irons oh callaway didn't just create their longest irons ever with the new rogue st they made their longest irons ever perform at the highest level for every player rogue st irons come in four different offerings each model using artificial intelligence on high strength 450 steel The only irons ever to do so. Their most popular iron of the bunch is a Rogue ST Max. It's designed for the widest range of players because of its refined game improvement shaping, an incredible combination of speed, forgiveness, and all-around performance. But for you low to mid-single-digit handicappers, (coughs) (laughs) Rogue ST Pro (laughs) will give you that hollow body construction in a sleek, compact player shape. Callaway's best game improvement model is Max OS, which gives mid to high handicappers total forgiveness with high launch, wide soles, and enhanced offset. There's also Max OS Lite, their most forgiving high launch iron. It comes with wider soles and increased lofts in a lightweight package for players with slower swing speeds. No other irons perform like the new Rogue ST irons. So find your Rogue ST irons at callawaygolf.com slash go rogue we'll be right back on the rich eisen show
0: passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has you covered eligible items only exclusions apply see ebaymotors.com
2: let's talk game time boy do we love using game time tickets
3: Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. Um, my name is Ryan Lee, filling in for Rich. Uh, I, I've I had yet to introduce you guys. We're an hour and a half in. I'm 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 so sorry. I'm so sorry. TJ Jefferson here to my right. <laughs> Hello, Michael Del Tufo, uh, Chris Give Brockman. Us. You know what up, NFL bro? draft hey, hey, on the brain. I
0: mean, you are a, you're, you, you got, got right up. into your Vegas story. you just got sucked back.
3: Yeah. Yeah. You oh, got me on hustle yeah. and flow whooping yeah. that. You know, and then I. I mean, my, you know, there's just. I'm ready to go
0: play blackjack yeah. right now. Right now, <laughs> I, mean, I know you I are. Right now, I remember. I
3: remember no. that, that somebody tried to sit down and like play third base, oh, and no, I was just I, like,
0: absolutely not. I
3: Should looked. Run. at I looked at him. A lot of times when they would sit at third base, and I would look at it. They, I'd make. I, you better ask me before you do whatever you do right yeah.
0: now. Because you're playing ten dollars, and I'm playing a thousand. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
2: this, me, Brian, this
3: me is what do. problem. That's with me. the craziest thing about Vegas <laughs> is they give you their their Brian. chips. They're, they're this. Every one's the same. The one you have for a one dollar chip or a five dollar chip is the, same. is the same as a five thousand dollars. Well, the It's are color. different? It's a different color. Just a different color.
2: Yeah, I never had a bunch of black chips in front of me. Ooh. I ain't balling like that. Ooh, you know best. what I mean? Black
0: chips were
3: hundred dollars.
2: Hundo. Black's yeah. a hundo. Yeah, yeah. I was green, the green was twenty five. 25 green twenty
0: five. Fives are
3: red. The five thousand one guys, chocolate brown. Can't relate. Chocolate. <laughs> Cash that out in some chocolate, please. Uh,
0: I mean even purple's nice. The five hundred purples. All
2: right, Ryan. can I ask you this real quick? Brockman and I we play we'll mess around and play cards, you know, after work and he gets real mad because I don't necessarily play the percentage. I play my gut and Mm -hmm. he just flips out at me. And I just stay on
0: sixteen against a nine. Like, what are you doing?
2: Yeah, that's not smart.
3: <laughs> sometimes I got to play my gut. No, sometimes. Well, there is a there's a gut reference to one, right? One. The one that always sits with me is when dealer shows 16 and you have a 12. Right. The, it, the, the rules say stand. Mm-hmm. Let the let the dealer bust out. But, you know, that's I, hard to stand on. It's yeah. hard to stand on 12.
0: It just or is. If, or if the dealer has a two showing and you have like a 13. Yeah. You know, what do you do? Yeah.
3: Um, Give me a card. Let's go. Yeah, that th- those are tough, but don't, but don't, don't do that.
2: I'm just saying. Okay. Just don't
0: let TJ play third base, folks. If you're in Vegas and TJ sits down
2: at third base, just politely ask him to leave. I'll play second. <laughs> That's where that you, second was my old position. I'm way better at second than third. So, all
3: you know. right, third base here, second base on the on the blackjack table. That's how it works. All yes. right, all right. Uh, <laughs> hot corner, one way or the other. Okay, <laughs> April 18th. Nineteen ninety-eight. Ooh, let's dance. So, I head to New York with the family. There's about twenty-two or so family members and acquaintances that that make the journey. The a lot of Leafs. Mostly leaf, the family of the Leafs. There was a couple, uh, uh, a family of friends of the family that that made the journey. I think there was uh, some quid pro quo there. I don't know. I I have to ask <laughs> my dad about that one. <laughs> hey, um, dad, who made the trip? <laughs> um but uh they we got them all set up in the hotels and everything like that the day before we did a a, a, a cruise tour of the harbor in front of the Statue of Liberty I'd never seen that before uh Curtis Enos Charles Woodson Peyton Manning all of us were on uh on the uh boat uh, experiencing that there's some pictures and things like that I got to experience it with my family and then I got back in the night before the draft um Mr. Spanos Dean Spanos um And my agent, Lee Steinberg, invited me out to a a restaurant called the 21 Club. And apparently it's a a very exclusive steakhouse uh, restaurant there in in Manhattan. And we went there uh, and I got to meet who would be my uh, eventual owner. But at the time, of course, we didn't we didn't quite know when the meeting and the dinner ended uh, relatively early. As I was walking back to the hotel room, you know, Lee Confided in me that he was point percent ninety nine point nine percent sure that, that Indianapolis was going to take going to take Peyton, and we were we were thankful. We, you know, we that's what we had really wanted. I played on the West Coast. I had family in San Diego. I just uh, you know I, I I saw the gloom and, uh, of the, the seasons in, in a dome in in Indianapolis. I just I didn't have the right things on the brain. I didn't see Marshall Falk and I didn't see Marvin Harrison. You know, I saw the beach, the babes, (laughs) the money, you know, and then I get to play football. I mean, football was the easy part, right? This is all the (laughs) accoutrement. I love that word. And I was going to, that's what I wanted. So this was about nine o'clock at night when, when Lee Steinberg, my agent at the time, told me. And so I went up to the room and it was about 930 at night. Like I had complete peace complete calm i wasn't nervous about what the next day was going to be like i fell asleep like at nine thirty at night wow on wow. friday night before the for the nfl draft what? and i woke up early uh energized excited um i went down to where um everybody in the family was having breakfast my my grandfather who has since passed um was sitting there uh eating breakfast and he had his oxygen on and and he was wearing the hat that he um dawned when i was back in college that said i am ryan leaf's grandpa (laughs) that's That's awesome awesome. and i got to sit down with him uh at at the table uh, and eat breakfast with him on you know one of the greatest mornings uh of of our family's lives right um my grandfather came to this you know came to montana homesteaded uh a cattle and wheat ranch um raised five daughters you know um and uh and now we were in new york and i was about to be you know drafted into the nfl so uh the draft kicked off i think around 11 eastern or maybe a little bit later uh i can't remember it seemed early it seemed relatively early but it was and there were buses waiting outside the marriott marquee to take all uh, all the families uh to um who were there and there was i think there was only about five or six of us invited to the draft that year um and i believe it was charles woodson Curtis Ines, peyton myself and there may have been one other uh i can't remember if andre wadsworth um who who would go who would go third that year to the arizona cardinals um if he was there or not i can't remember i think he may have been at home so there may have only been four of us there but anyway the buses were taking the families and family members all over there well you know we're on the last bus um the driver's waiting um the bus is being held up and i and I finally asked my my mom and my dad is in the front. Where? Why? Why aren't we going? What's going on? And uh, they reluctantly told me we, we can't. You know, we we can't find your brother and your cousin. Uh, so my first thought was, okay, they went out. They went out the night before. Now they're both in high school. Okay, they're both <laughs> at the end of their high school high school careers. One one's eighteen. The other one's seventeen. And so I go. Okay, they they went out. They went out and had a good time. And now, what kind of what kind of trouble and what nonsense have they got into? Uh, and they said, no, they were in the rooms last night before bed and everything. So I am like, okay, all right. Well, now now the clock's ticking and we're 15 minutes late. And I'm looking back in the bus, and uh, there's Archie uh, Manning and Olivia Manning and the Manning family, and they're all looking at the Leafs, going, yeah, yeah, these guys these guys aren't ready for prime time.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: they're not ready for prime time. And finally, my brother Jeff and my cousin Matt saunter up the steps of the bus and walk under the bus, and they don't say what's going on. I give him the daggers (laughs) of an older brother about to be drafted into the NFL draft. I'm waiting on you. What (laughs) are you doing? And they sit down, you know, sheepishly, you know, all this. Well, turns out that they had found somebody who had – uh, a line on fake IDs.
0: Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so they had
3: went to get themselves. Hey, they were about to head to college, right? I remember my freshman year, one of my quarterbacks who was a senior gave me his ID that I used when we went to the Alamo Bowl, you know? That's you know, that's that's the way it that's the way it went. Well, they were looking for fake IDs on the day their their elder cousin and brother was about to be drafted in the NFL. Anyway, we they whisk us off to the Radio City Music Hall, right? And um, we go down and sit in the green room and my agent Lee Steinberg tells me uh, to be aware. Once the Indianapolis Colts draft Peyton Manning, the San Diego Chargers are going to take the full 15 minutes. Doesn't mean they're they're contemplating whether or not they should draft you. Right. This is an opportunity on the biggest branding opportunity on on TV at the time to have the San Diego Chargers at the forefront for 15 minutes. Okay, so once I knew that and uh, once I knew that they were going to take up the whole time and it didn't matter, this is this was uh, a foregone conclusion. I I could rest easy. I sat back there when the Indianapolis announced that Peyton was the number one overall pick. I applauded and I was happy that 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 was the direction we were going. I always looked at it as draft picks one A and one B. I thought we were the equivalent. We were the same. We would ultimately sign about the same type of contracts. He would get about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars more in signing bonus money uh that's about it so it was really the equivalent it's the way that that lee steinberg had negotiated the contract like you know these were straight up straight up up and down the line uh they announced my name uh as i talked about earlier i hugged my mom i hugged my dad and my family in the room there uh lee steinberg and then i walked to the stage and now i've been informed by my wonderful colleagues here that A respectful, professional handshake to Paul Tagliabue (laughs) with a little hand on the shoulder. Thank you, sir. Very professional. Enjoy your
0: your three-year lease. Thank you for coming by.
3: (laughs) Yep. Alex Spano (laughs) steps up. They have the 16 jersey for me. Could throw the hat on. My whole family in the audience had those foam charger lightning lightning bolts. Absolutely. Yep. They got those foam ones. They're they're screaming and yelling. and, And you can see, if you watch the audio... Um, while Alex has given me, Mr. Spanos has given me the jersey. He kind of leans in, and is like, kind of points up, and he's like, "Is that your family?" And you can hear me say, "Yeah, that's my crazy family." <laughs> Fantastic! Waving those those uh, Charger jerseys around, and I think I think Mike, you have you have some audio I here. Actually, I've got, got it. Uh, Mike? Here we go. Nice. Here we go. Of what okay, it
2: sounded like. A little bit of history. Let's go to the commissioner. With the uh, second choice in the draft,
1: the San Diego Chargers select quarterback, Washington State University, Brian Leaf.
0: because there's lightning bolts here are dawning the theater in new york Brian lee from behind stage to front and center and I like it's a great pedigree with throwing the football at san diego and he stays on the west coast and he only had thirty two members of his family here last night Why not? I know. i said it's a foreign. it's great <laughs> it should be you're right and you know what's best about these
2: kids is we I say they're kids but these young men who we've gotten to know a little bit and i don't know either of them well but They're just fun to be around, in addition to fun to watch play football.
0: They are, and in sitting with them last night, having a chance to visit with them, both of them have made this simple statement. They're ready to get it started now to the next level of their life, and and now the moment has come. Is the ceiling higher in your mind for Ryan Leaf now than it is for Peyton Manning As, as Alex Spanos, the owner of the Chargers, he brought two jerseys too, he could file that Manning jersey and sell that at a charity auction. There he is, Ryan Leaf. 16.
1: Is the ceiling higher on him perhaps? Well, I really believe, Chris, when you look back at this trade, San Diego moving up from 3-2, to two, five years from now, it may not look like Bobby Beathard gave up enough. This kid has tremendous potential, great physical ability, throws the ball all over the field. And I think when you look at San Diego, they were fortunate to have this pick. They tried to trade away the 98 first-round pick in the second round last year. So Bobby Beathard fortunate to
2: have Well, Mel,
3: you know,
0: Win some, you lose
2: some. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine what that feeling must have been like, man.
0: Sheesh! Does that seem like another life ago?
2: Yes, it does. It
3: feels like it's another life ago. Um, that's a good way to put it. But there's so much that happened from that moment until where we're at right now, right? It's just, it's really kind of come full circle. Mm -hmm. But I think, however you want to view it, it was just very public like anything you do, if you're a first round draft, everything's public. So, but I do think there's been a ton of life experience, uh, in those 24 years that a lot of people have gone through just hasn't been, um, newsworthy. And so therefore probably helped me be and become the person I am today. So, um, hearing Joe Theismann talk about meeting us the night before and I was, I was ready to get it going. I was sick and tired of, of all the hoopla um, I wanted to play football I wanted to get that done that happens you do a couple big radio interviews a uh, good friend of of Rich's and of the show uh, with Westwood one Howie her off uh, he told me this little story when I started working with Westwood one this year that he was the first um, interviewer to interview me after I got drafted after I did the main TV one really Yep, and he has, says he still has the audio somewhere.
0: Wow. And I wow. say,
3: I, I want to I hear that. Um, and you do a little media things, and then, of course, new ownership of, of Alex Spanos and Dean Spanos. They come, and my father and my agent, Lee Steinberg, and I, we get whisked away, all right, into his private jet. But we don't head across the country immediately. We head down south a little bit to Wake Forest to pick up his son who I am assuming is the same son that now is the president of the Los Angeles chargers. And after we pick him up, we head West and our initial plan was to stop in Las Vegas. So Las Vegas full circle here, right? Uh, we stop in Las Vegas for the night. I fly my, uh, my uncles and my, fu- uh, my uncles from New York who were there at the draft. And then my best friends, my buddies, the ones that were with me from the moment I put on pads, uh, who did everything with me? Competed with me. Everything um, down to Las Vegas that night, and we uh, had the best time. Um, I didn't. I didn't do uh, any uh, a bunch of drinking. I think we did a celebratory toast. A, celebra- uh, a celebratory toast. Uh, I gave those guys about 500 bucks a piece. Said go out and have a blast. We'll gamble. Whoever has the most at the end of the night wins the wins the deal. I think my dad won it because my dad just pocketed the $500 chip and didn't gamble. <laughs> smart, smart man. No wonder he's the best businessman in the leaf family. Um, uh, and the night went, you know, and I just sat around and I think a few times while we were just sitting in uh, some of the seats there and around the casino kind of going, you know, what, what does this look like? But the main story um, is the plane ride. Alex Spanos, the patriarch of the, The Chargers. It it was, it's a surreal moment. It's a surreal moment, first off, to be in a private jet. My dad and I from Montana are just kind of looking at each other. Yeah. And then it progressively gets weirder (laughs) and weirder and weirder. All right. At one point, Mr. Spano steps, jumps up, and like starts scolding my agent about how you need to get this deal done. No messing around, no holding out. I mean, it was, it was contentious and awkward and uncomfortable. And then to kind of I don't know lighten the mood a little bit, Mr. Spano steps up and says, "Hey, you know I I don't know if you know I'm you know, growing up where I did and and I I became friends with Bob Hope and and he pulls out a VHS tape of him and Bob Hope like two, like soft shoeing tap dancing. <laughs>
0: so weird.
3: On the plane watching this video and I'm looking at my father going, "Where in the hell are we? What what are what is what are we doing? it was just, it was just crazy. Just the whole process. Um, as I assume it just is, it's, it's not anything you would believe is possible when you're growing up, especially, uh, in, in this small town in Great Falls, Montana, or where my dad grew up in a smaller town called Fort Benton, Montana, which is literally maybe, I don't know, 750 people. I don't know. You know, he goes off to to Vietnam for two tours, comes home, raised three boys. And one of them now is the number two overall draft pick in the NFL draft. I mean, he's just kind of like, and he's around my age that I am now. Like I thought of him as old at the time. Like this is my old, I'm 21 years old. And like, this is my old dad. (laughs) Well, like now if I was at that age and my son is like going to these things and I'm, you know, 46 years old here in about a month, I'd be like, this is the coolest thing in the world. (laughs) Yeah. I I'm I'm riding and dying on this deal. Yeah. And uh we I got up the next morning, not too much sleep, um jump back on that flight and off to San Diego where we had the introductory press conference. And you know, my my main statement was and I think it's the one that should be always made when you were a first round draft pick and the people expect so much so much from you. I flat out just said, "Hey, you know, I expect to you know, play here for a long time and and have a couple Super Bowl parades in downtown, and that's what they want to hear, and that's what I wanted to accomplish. Of course, it didn't end up that way, didn't turn out that way, where you're here where we're at. Um, but ever since that, ever since that debacle in San Diego for me, they have not missed on the quarterback position, and they also got a guy named Ladanian Tomlinson out of the deal. So when it's all said and done, Chargers fans, you really should be thanking me for what went down. I definitely thank you for the greatest experience of my life. The opportunity to play for the San Diego Chargers to be drafted into the NFL and the experience that went with that. When we come back, we'll talk about this year's draft, which is what is most important here on the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Lee filling in for Rich and we'll be right
2: back. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, just not myself. You know the deal. in store and now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com. Seeking the truth never gets old.
3: Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. Ryan Lee filling in for Rich, who's in Las Vegas. He's going to join us here in the third hour. We're loaded with NFL in the third hour. Chase Young, defensive end for the Washington uh, Commanders, joins us at the top of the hour. And then defensive end draft prospect Kayvon Thibodeau
0: from the University of Oregon. Well Uh, done getting Commanders first out of the box. I mean, I've already been calling them, you know, the other one and then the football and same thing with the Chargers. I was calling them San Diego for like three straight years. Yeah,
3: so nice work. I, I, I uh, I'm in the moment. I'm, I'm where my feet are. That's I believe the last time I was on the show, though, I did call them the Commodores. So the Commodores, not Richie. Just, just putting that out there. I, I'm That's sure. i have sure done Vanderbilt,
2: that.
0: Right? Is Vanderbilt, right? Vanderbilt. Maybe up
3: when I'm down.
0: <laughs> we just got, we just got fined. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Can't
3: sing. I think if you keep it under fifteen seconds, you're cool. Yeah, oh, okay, there's, there's okay. a time limit. All right, if you're right, about there's that, a time yeah, limit yeah, with I that. I you learn that when you when you produce podcasts oh. uh, a lot. If you keep it under fifteen seconds, you're, you're good safe? to go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. TJ Jefferson, oh, Michael Del Tufo, Chris Brockman, of course, yo, yo, with me.
0: Yo,
3: uh, Big third hour uh, coming up around the NFL draft. Uh, when we we talked to Connor Rogers, um, and tomorrow we'll have kind of our our makeshift. Um, um, mock draft of our own. I know Rich did his, kind of, kind of come up with uh, with our own for tomorrow. If you guys want to put some things together, we can combo that. I also I want you guys to to sleep on something tonight. Should we do like a draft
0: maybe? Yeah, like you get the first pick and then we just kind of go in order. Yeah, let's but do that. Can I be the host of the draft? You no, can. You, no, you're yes. going to make a pick. I can announce the picks that you guys make. No, but you're going to make a pick. I can't because I don't know enough about I mean, you guys. That's the no, I mean. So like, I'm the owner that makes the bad pick. Have you like, like, seen like, any of the drafts? It's, <laughs> like, it's yes. like when,
3: uh, you know, right, it's it. like when Anna I'll does uh, do gambling it. picks on the weekends for NFL games, right? It's fun. She doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. Okay, I'll take that. I'll but take she's that. she's fun at it, you okay. know. It's okay. more entertaining than me being right.
1: <laughs>
3: Certainly. So I, I like that. I like that idea. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll go through the top thirty-two teams, uh, or we'll go through the thirty-two draft picks, and we'll, we'll. Oh, this is gonna be great. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, I also want you guys to sleep on this a little bit because I want I know Debo Samuel's been a huge talking point. There there may be movement. Um. When has there been a player that held out or threatened a holdout that ultimately got traded or blinked first and went back to have, let's say, all pro success from that point on? It's, it's hard for me to find those things. You talked about Darrell Revis, but I want you guys to think about this uh, Emmett Smith back in 93. Um, there's a conversation to be had. He missed the first two games. So I want, we were kind of discussing before the show. I want you to think about it a little bit tonight. And I want to dive into it because I look at it, especially at the wide receiver position. I don't know if there's one that Amari Cooper comes to mind, like he forced himself out of Oakland. You know, did he have an all pro type of career in Dallas? You know, what did that look like? Um, there are opportunities here for Devontae Adams uh, and Tyreek Hill, both who, you know, Flat out said, I'm not going to sign your waiver or, or tender and um, you need to trade me. Are they going to have the all pro success they've had at their earlier stop? A lot of times ride receiver play, in my opinion, has to do a lot with the scheme. It really does. You know, the, the one that comes to mind is is Randy Moss was able to translate everywhere he went pretty much. And then Jerry Rice's move from San Francisco to the other part of the Bay in Oakland. And, and he continued his his dominance as a wide receiver there too. So it, it's difficult scheme wise. The reason you become so great and Debo Samuel will be, and Debo Samuel would be wise to remember this. The reason why he's become so great in the NFL circles is because of the scheme in San Francisco, mm-hmm. how they have allowed to be success, successful, how they've adapted and put him into the running game. Now I completely understand. You don't want to be a guy that that's handling the football that much, especially at the running back position. If you were getting into him out on the perimeter as a wide receiver, maybe that's a different conversation. But the length of a career as a running back, if you're getting pounded like that, I mean, these guys are so much more understanding and aware of how long they'll be in the NFL, right? And that second contract is the one that sets them up for life. If they can
0: get it. Yeah, Yeah, Ryan, it's so interesting. We've been talking about this now for a couple of weeks since it first popped up and, you know, just kind of wondering, like, why he wants out. Is it money? Is it usage? Does he does he not want to get as many carries as running back? Is he worried about wear and tear? He, Debo actually tweeted this out an hour ago. You know, to enter too real to entertain half the stuff y'all be saying, but it'd be funny though. Everyone wants to be a voice about a situation they know nothing about, and so I guess it's just he, Debo's kind of saying there, read between the lines that nobody really knows what this is about, but I do, and the Niners know, and. Either they work it out and he's still there. Or they work it out and he's gone. I'm just wondering if you have any thought as to what you may think this is all about.
3: I think he just wants to be paid. I think it's a Kyler Murray situation. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, when you're a football player, you want the rock. You want it. No matter what. No matter what. Yeah. yeah. I don't care. You know, if you're if you're a football player, you want that. You want to carry the football. So uh, I suspect he just flat out wants to be paid. He wants to be paid. He wants to be paid early. So I understand that. Makes sense uh if i'm a if i'm an nfl player these days i'm out too right yeah when we come back we'll have chase young to join us uh here on the rich eisen show and and if that's the case you know either san francisco who has him on a rookie contract yeah either you pay him or you move on from him i mean it, it and it, it's really difficult to try to bring him back into the fold if you're not going to pay him the contract because a he most likely is going to use the only leverage that he has. And that's to hold out. That's the only leverage an NFL player has is not to be available for your football team. That's the only thing you have until you become a free agent. Then you have all the leverage in the world because you can decide where you go. Right. But while you're under contract, the lone leverage you have is I will not play. And I'm clearly the most talented football player on your team. And you are nowhere near the caliber of a football team without me with what we did a year ago. Clearly, they're not in the NFC Championship if it weren't for Debo Samuel.
0: Yeah, most likely not. I mean, the team also—I guess—they could franchise tag, but no player wants that, even though it's guaranteed money. True.
3: Unrestricted free agent—that's—that's—that's that's, that's the ultimate. That's why it exists. Um, I suspect he wants his bag, and if he can't get his bag, he wants to take his bag somewhere else and get it from somebody else who's willing to do it. And there are clearly teams willing to do it, whether or not. San Francisco moves off their spot. I, d- I think it's unattainable now, and I do think they move them, and they garner as many draft picks they can in, re- in return because of the Trey Lance situation from a year ago.
0: Yeah, Rich has been kind of pounding the table for the Jets. You know, they have the two picks in the top ten. I mean, would you give up number ten and, you know, XYZ for Debo? Is that something you would think about doing? The thing about 10 is
3: you can go get a Debo style player and have him have him on a five year right. contract for, for for pennies. Right. Instead of paying this enormous amount of salary for it.
0: So no. And giving up the draft capital.
3: Right. Yeah. I, I'm not. I, I've told you guys this before and everybody who listens, do not do not pay wide receivers. We'll see how much of an impact Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams have. I'm sure they'll they'll play, pay dividends. Yeah, it'll be fine. But it's not worth the compensation, It just isn't. Green Bay and Kansas City will have better years than both than Oakland and Miami. I guarantee you that. Ooh. Guarantee you that. Both those teams will have better seasons than either Oakland or Miami. So uh, right when we come down. back, yeah, uh, Chase that. Young is going to join us. Washington Commanders defensive end talk about his work and his draft. When we come back here on the Rich Eisen Show, I'm Ryan Leaf.